Hi, my name is Abigail Irozaru and you're listening to the England Athletics Podcast. Yes, hello, welcome to the podcast. We're in the middle of the indoor season at the moment, many of us glad to be indoors with the storms that we've seen recently. My name's Alex Seftel, let me run you through what's coming up in this podcast. High jumper Joel Clark Khan joins us, the 2020 British champion who went to his first senior international tournament for Great Britain, European Indoors, a year ago. He talks about Commonwealth Games ambitions, representing his city of Worcester and also being involved in modelling. Also coming up, we visit Windsor Slough, Eton and Hounslow Athletic Club and hear about their success in turning to crowdfunding in a bid to regenerate the club post-Covid. And from Sheffield, you'll also hear from Jake Watson. He was the winner of the pole vault title at the British University's Indoor Athletics Championships. But let's start with Joel Clark Khan and why the 22-year-old does high jump and how he got into the sport. Growing up, I have always been sporty. I've always been described as springy. And that's just something that I was, you know, described as growing up from like an infant throughout like year, year one to year six. Just at the end of year six, I moved from Derby to Worcester. And that's where my life really kind of opened up a little bit more. I went to a very small private school before, so I wasn't able to really explore my talents in comparison to other children. Like when I say small, I mean, there was only other, two other boys in my class. Wow. For, for the first, you know, six school years of my life. I remember I came to, I came to my first class and everybody was like, how fast are you? And I was like, well, from what I know, I'm pretty fast because I, <laughs> I, I was the fastest of three kids. But uh, they were like, at break time, let's race. This boy's the fastest. This boy's the second fastest. This boy's the fastest. So the break time came around 11 o'clock and we ran and I, I, I won. So that was my first kind of realisation that I was okay at sport or I was quite fast it was like that day I said to my mum that I want to go to do athletics I want to do sprinting I want to be a sprinter uh, so she said yeah go ahead have a look online see see what Worcester has to offer and Worcester has a local you know club and a track uh, headed on down there and kind of just got stuck in straight away as a I'm trying to think of the ages like a 12 to 13 year old maybe 14 you know, you do all the different events, you don't specialise. And I, I love sprinting, but like it became clear quite quickly that that is not what I was very good at at all. You know, I, even at a very, very low level, I wasn't winning anything. I was, you know, <laughs> coming fourth or fifth in the races and stuff like that. So, you know, I quickly kind of moved away from that. But obviously they get you doing a lot of things. And I, and I started to show some talents in long jump. So quickly went over from sprinting to long jump. And then this was coming up to maybe like 14. Didn't last too long because then high jump came on the scene as well. You know, I started doing high jump and the long jump. And I think like within my first, you know, few comps of high jump, it was pretty clear that that was like where my talent was. My ex-coach had a squad, a high jump squad probably one of the best coaches at the club was at the high jump coach. So that, that worked in my favor as well because she was able to take me to the next level. And I stayed with her from 14 um, until November, 2021. So not too long ago. Yeah. So what do you think was the moment you thought, okay, wow, I can actually be really good at high jump. I think for me, like when I was younger, you know, I was good at it, but like there was no real recognition or like, I didn't really notice the difference between what I was doing and what say like, my friends at school where they were playing for like academy football I think it was year 11 
or year 10, I got my first GB kit and represented Great Britain at the European under 18 champs in Georgia. And I think that for me was a, like the moment of like, okay, like, this is serious. Like you're, you're actually good at this. You know, I got all the kit through and I flew out with the team. That was my first real experience on that. And I was still quite young. And that I think separated me from what I say is the other kids at school and kind of showed that I like, oh, okay, you're actually quite good at this. That was probably one of the best experiences of my entire life. And take, even take away the actual competing part, just the traveling with the team, all that that comes with, with the major champs. As soon as I got home, I was just hungry for more. I just wanted to, I was like, I'm doing that again as soon as I can. I was like, when's the next championship? How high do I have to jump to get there? Because I want to be part of that, you know. Yeah, it's really interesting. Just as you were talking about that particular championships, I was thinking that some other athletes like uh, Isabel Boppy, I think, were there, for example. This is kind of the generation that is now hitting senior international stage or has those aspirations because of the few years that have uh, gone by since then. Great to be part of that environment, but without the same pressure, right, compared to maybe in subsequent years. Yeah, so as it was my first comp, I was still very new to the, to the sport, I would say, in, in compared to how I feel now. I didn't actually understand the seriousness of it. I didn't feel much pressure, but I, but then I do remember the feeling of the qualification round. It's my first ever qualification round that I would have to do. And because GB usually take quite a strong team, everyone in the, in the days leading up to it had been, you know, getting through their heats, getting through their semis, making the finals. So I was like, oh, it's going to be the same for me. And it was a challenge for me to make it to the final, but I did manage to pull through. Looking back now, I realise how important it is to make a championship final. It's not easy. I've been to a lot of internationals and haven't made the final. So I'm quite proud of my 16-year-old, 15, 16-year-old self for, for doing that, even though I didn't quite understand the seriousness of it. Yeah, and so if we talk about youth championships, we'll talk about the, the seniors, European indoors that you went to last year, right? And I remember seeing a, a quote or a story from you at the time that to be there was just brilliant because you'd had to recover from quite a few injuries in order to get there, right? Yeah, so in 2018, you know, I had a pretty bad injury. I ruptured my patella tendon, so that's pretty much the main part. You need to jump, and that ruptured into two pieces. I, the competition that I did that actually won national champs and jumped at like a PB of 220 as an 18-year-old, which was pretty impressive, I think. but all of that was taken away from the fact I'd actually um, then hurt myself. I was kind of at the point where like, I hadn't done enough to be recognized by you know, people at British Athletics. I was just on the cusp of futures. I basically had no support at all. So when I got injured, it was like, I was so close, but then everyone kind of backed off. And the whole rehab process was done through just me and my coach based in Worcester, just trying to get as much information from the people we knew. We were very alone, I would say, during that time. So when I finally managed to come back, I would say, you know, 2021 was my first proper year back. And then to get immediately get senior, a senior vest, that was huge for me because I was not in a position to even be thinking about the European champs. So when they said that I was on the team, that was huge. I, I was really happy with that. Just give us a sense of when you're high jumping, what is it that you're trying to pull together? What is it that you're trying to get right? What are the elements involved in simple terms? Like technically? Yeah. 
technically uh, obviously different people will work on different things but when I'm I'm there I've actually got a little bit of a, an anatomical disadvantage in my hip so I'm actually just built differently and my hip doesn't move in the right in the right way that it should to match the hydro technical model it's all about the right side for me uh, that right hip coming around bringing it up and through because it wants to do it wants to move in the wrong way. It wants to not follow to the technical model. So any coach who sees me jump and wants to feedback, they'll all instantly say the same thing. It's very obvious what I struggle with. So technically, I'm just working on that right side, bringing it round, keeping the hips high, and driving that knee up and through. That's what we've been working on, I'd say, for the last six or seven months now. What do you think the best coaching advice that you've ever been given is you mentioned your ex-coach now I think you're working with Emily Borthwick now if the power of 10 site is to be believed yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I am working with Emily uh, closely at the moment in terms of coaching advice I can't actually think of anything off the top of my head but I've had some brilliant um, you know insight from lots of different people and I, I'm the type of guy if somebody says something to me and I you know I respect that person I trust them um, I'll hold on to it I'll hold on to what they've told me and put it into practice or, or whatever. So I'm not sure I can give you a, a, an exact quote. No, I mean, you seem to have the words of wisdom yourself. But it's unusual, of course, to be working in an athlete-coach relationship with a current athlete as well, which is really interesting. So um, the move uh, from my coach to where I'm now was more, for me, environmental. Where I was training in Worcester was very, well, like I said, I've been there since I was 13, 14. I live in Loughborough now. You know, training at the high pack and the high pack's just full of the best of the best. And when you're surrounding yourself with those kind of people, you know, you're thriving together. And working with Emily is just amazing. I I'm so happy and so grateful to her for she she kind of took me on and allowed me this opportunity. You know, she's flying this year as well, was the world leader for a decent amount of the indoors and is still up there at the top. She's so inspiring to me and the way she talks, her mindset passion and drive in training brings me along as well and there's nobody else that I know of that I would rather be working with than her. Yeah and I think she's been particularly inspiring just to build on what you said in, in two ways. One because after dipping her toe into the senior international environment she's like yep this is me this is where I fit and very confident mm -hmm. about it and two because she's recently been through personal tragedy as well and, and has kept on fighting and and because she knows that in regards to her her brother she'd know that that's what he would have wanted so yeah incredible strength that she's shown i've been here you know throughout that period of time you know day in day out with her and the mental strength that she's shown throughout um you know i couldn't even imagine or, or begin to imagine what she's going through but she's just been so strong and that inspires me you know if emily can do it i can do it you know she she really is incredible like I said, there's nowhere else I'd rather be right now. I couldn't pick a single place in the world, another training environment. I know somewhere else that you'd probably quite like to be, and that would be the Commonwealth Games, I would imagine. <laughs> this is an England Athletics podcast, Team England hat on for a moment. Not too far away from Worcester either. So, I mean, that would be a dream, wouldn't it? I know Birmingham very, very well. And for me, that's almost like my home track. I can't believe it's going to be there. And if I can be there in front of not only my home crowd, but like a local crowd, I think it would be incredible. I still train at the Birmingham High Pack. And every time you go in, I can see the construction being done on the 
on the actual stadium and it's kind of like a, a an incentive to just keep reminding me of what I'm working towards where I want to be so that's really great and because it's so close to home you know I think I'll have all my family and friends there supporting me and uh, it, it should be great it should be great be nice to also put Worcester on the map in a way. I know uh, Jenny Nesbitt has been to the Commonwealth Games and, and, and got senior vests and is having a decent career. But uh, I suppose between the two of you, that's what you're doing. Yeah, of course. And I do know Jenny quite well as well. I remember seeing her. It's, uh, Worcester is, is quite a small club in comparison to you know the big the big ones. But um, it would be nice to get some representation. I know that uh, when I won the British Champs in 2020, um, I think that was quite big for the club. I think they've had some cross champs before, but never from track and field. So it would be great to be, you know, a representative of Worcester at the Commonwealth Games. Worcester actually supported me quite a lot through my injury. Um, the committee did, um, helping to pay for, you know, physiotherapy and you know, rehab. I've got a lot to thank for them as well. Yeah, no, fantastic stuff. Do you like Worcester sauce? <laughs> is that? No, it is. It is a direct link because I think it was made in Worcestershire. It was, and I drive past the factory. At, well, I used to drive past the factory every single day. You know, the Liam Parents factory is is, yeah. is just there. But I can't say that I'm a huge fan of Worcestershire sauce. I'm not not a fan, but I just it's not my uh, go-to sauce, if I'm honest. Do you cook? I mean, you if you're based in Loughborough now, you might have more responsibility to do that for yourself. Yeah, so I'm currently living with two other high jumpers which is really great. So Tony and Kelechi. Kelechi actually just won the books. He did, yeah. Champs and um, Tony's currently ranked third on the rankings or, or fourth on the rankings. So it's a pretty high level house. And um, yeah, I do cook. For example, salmon, chicken, rice, broccoli. I'm not a huge chef, but I, I will cook my own food and just keep it basic, to be honest. Yeah, so some sort of protein and keep it clean i think that's quite an athlete style exactly. of uh, dinner isn't it sort of thing you see at the the diamond league meetings yeah i eat for the nutrients i eat because of you know what i need my body to be ingesting i'm not so much cooking up for the fun of it <laughs> okay so last question then if you weren't an athlete what do you think you would be i have a suspicion how you might answer this because i know you do some modeling Oh, does not being an athlete, does that mean I can be another sport or does that just no sport at all? Hmm. Well, you answer it however you like. I can answer both. I think if I wasn't an athlete, but I was still allowed to do sport, I'd heavily throw myself into football. I used to hate it as a child. I did play academy from like 13, 14 years old alongside athletics, but I used to hate it. But coming in from 18, 19, 20, I absolutely love football and I'd love to just you know really give that one a go but if I couldn't do sport at all yeah 100% I'd really throw myself into the modeling world because I've got the opportunity at the moment but it clashes a lot I can't miss training so I can't do the shoots if there was no training then I'd really throw myself in there and I, I do enjoy that as well there's lots of it's a similar thing there's lots of traveling meeting new people um, I work a lot with Adidas as well so it's not exactly too far away from sports but it's great Really interesting because obviously when you're doing the high jump, I remember I put on social media a photo of Tom Gale and uh, he was upside down and he was like, okay, everyone turn up your phone for a surprise. You might not always get your best side when you're no. photographed high jumping. I can't say I'm looking at my prettiest when I'm uh, trying to work my way over that bar. No, I don't mind. The modeling photos, you know, I do try and look my best in those ones. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Joel, we've learned plenty about you. Hope you have a great season. Good luck with everything you do, be it uh, in front of the camera or trying to clear the bar. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
That's Joel Clark Khan, the now Loughborough-based Worcester AC high jumper with a lifetime best of 2 metres 23 and lots of ambition. Our club visit this month continues that theme of being ambitious. Windsor Slough, Eton and Hounslow Athletic Club were looking for a lifeline to help them bounce back from the pandemic. And they turned to crowdfunding with the help in particular of one of their best known track and field stars who's represented them in the past. Any idea who that might be? England Athletic CEO Chris Jones has been speaking to club stalwart Irene Spiller to find out. Hello everyone, I'm here at the Thames Valley Athletic Centre in Eton, the home of Windsor Slough, Eton and Hounslow Athletic Club and I'm here with long-serving volunteer, member, athlete, yes, team I'm manager, right. yes. All of those. Bottle washer. That's it. You've done everything at the club. Yeah. It's great to be out here again mm. and uh, back doing some athletics training and some indoor competition, cross country, track and field ahead of us. Yeah. What's exciting you about uh, the here and now and the future of the club? I suppose continuing what we've been doing, offering to those that have got the commitment, training and coaching to help them on their way, as we did some years ago with Mo Farah, really just getting out there, getting back to a full year of athletics actually is very exciting. And the last 18 months has, has of course been unprecedented for everyone. What kind of things were the club engaged in to keep people active during that time? Well, we were very lucky because the centre management here worked with us to make sure that as any change that happened that meant we could get more people out training we got to it straight away we're lucky because of where we are that we've got the fields out the back on the, the eating playing fields the coaches and the committee worked to try and get people training spaces as best as we could and I guess the spirit in the club has kept you all together. Have you noticed more members joining since you've been able to return? Yeah, we've had quite a few joining and we lost a few and I think most clubs did. The committed athletes were just so pleased to get back. Watching the development of the athletes from the beginners, just learning about the sport, to those that have missed out last year and the year before on their aspirations and now they're going to be able to do it. So, yeah. And you've got a proud history as a club. You've produced lots of really good athletes. Yeah. Are there any memories that really stick in your mind in terms of what you're really proud of? One of the things that sticks in my mind is gold for the 4x4 men's relay in Victoria in Australia, where we had three of our own athletes in the team, which was Mark Hilton, Mark Richardson, Adrian Brown, another chap who was from another club, but trained with them, with Earl Herbert, who's still coaching now. Oh, that's fantastic. And that was amazing. Everybody in the club knew them. They all trained down here. Mo Farah is just a, you know, we had him as a, he was 14 when Hounslow merged with us. Was a Hounslow athlete, trained down here. Some of the youngsters were surprised to see the pictures of Mo in his Windsor kit with the, UK flag having just won gold. And that's inspirational for the young oh, athletes coming down here. How many yeah. sports would you get that on a Tuesday, Thursday night training where you've got a world-class performer on the same track that's as you? That's right, yeah. There's something unique about yeah. our sport, really. You it can't is. do that in cricket, rugby, football very often, I no, would imagine. that's right. You know, if they're a local athlete, and we're lucky, we're a club with a lot of local athletes, and yes, the top-class ones 
a scene down here by the youngsters, and uh, yeah, fantastic. and then they see them on the TV. Brilliant, superb. <laughs> tell me, tell me about the crowdfunding <clears throat> work that you've uh, carried oh, out over the last year right. or so. It was hard work, I can tell you, as I'm sure you know, Chris. There's in every club a few people doing a hell of a lot of work, all volunteers. I'm lucky, I'm retired, but of course, people like Nick are still working and yet involved and, and doing more than one job for the club. Tough to put it together to start with. We learned things along the way when they suggested that we went for extra funding, which would come in through Sport England. Proudfonder said Sport England like to see rewards for people that donate. So we then had to go out and uh, I was walking the streets of Windsor, going into places and saying, this is what we're trying to do. Is there anything you can donate? A lot of hard work, but as it gathers speed, very rewarding, I have to say. And the end result was? 20,600. Oh, fantastic pounds. effort. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. well done to everyone at the club. Yeah. And uh, on behalf of England Athletics, thanks <clears throat> for everything that you've yeah. done in the past, but also everything that you continue to do. And let's have a wonderful 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Something I must say yeah, of course. is, as we got near the end, I was letting everybody know we've only got a few days to go, this, that and the other. We're very close to the target. We had to reach a target to get the Sport England pledge. The pledge yes. was there. And it just happened that Mo Farah put in a donation and it was that that took us over the threshold and got us the Sport England funding. Oh, that's fantastic. Which I think it was a coincidence, but it was a fantastic coincidence. So well done, Mo. Well, some great <laughs> symmetry there, isn't it? Absolutely. Young athlete comes through the club, yeah. through the development pathway, volunteers, base support, yeah. goes on to great things and comes back and supports yeah. the club. Yeah. So with Kirsty Fardell, our club support manager here in the South East, just listening to Irene, it really is fantastic that the club is back here, training, competing, wonderful job raising funds through the crowdfunding scheme to invest back in the facilities here. So after having a long conversation with Irene a few weeks ago, I think what the club has done here with the crowdfunding is fantastic. As Irene has said, it was really, really hard and a lot harder than you originally thought it was going to be. But I think the club have gone above and beyond with the support of Mo Farah and all of the community supporting to the project. And I think that's really important to get the community on board and involved within the project and they feel part of something bigger. So I'm here with Conrad Milton. We're here at the side of the track here at the Thames Valley Athletic Centre, home to uh, Windsor, Slough, Eton and Hounslow Athletic Club. You've been here some years. Yes, what's it I, what's I, it been like when hounslow merged with windsor in 2001 and it was uh, we looked at the conditions and facilities and basically said this is how athletics should be but in those days windsor was a very progressive club but it had very few middle distance runners um, and in fact the first event we did as a joint club was the 12 stage road relays and that team was nine Hounslow members and three Windsor. Was that in Sutton Park then? Yes, yes, it was still in Sutton Park then. Mo Farah, Sam, the late Sam Hockian, who was killed in South Africa, unfortunately. Ben Whitby, um, as the basis of a very hot squad. And, and Hugh Brasher, if you remember. Hugh, yeah, of course. When he was running. It was a very good squad. And you produced some wonderful athletes over the year, obviously Mo, uh, Morgan Lake. Yes. Most coaches look at uh, the progression of athletes that they've taken through to international level. My last count was 39 at various international levels. These days you have a, a problem. Windsor is probably the area where more people go to university than other, 
perhaps on other parts of the country. So we suddenly find a lot of youngsters are going to uni. Not all of them then keep it going because there are other temptations when they go to uni. But others make tremendous progress. And uh, I mentioned to you earlier, one lad who's at Swansea, he started the beginning of COVID with a personal best 1500 or 358. And although his training partners have disappeared at times because of COVID, um, he's managed to keep going, being very progressive. Um, and in, during the first year of COVID, he went from 358 to 348. A couple of years back, I think you were the recipient of the Dave Sunderland yes. Coach of the Year Award. What did that mean for you? Well, it was a nice um, surprise out the out the blue. And in fact, one of my athletes nominated me. I knew Dave reasonably well, although we only saw each other meet big meetings when we bump into each other and have a, a chat like most coaches do but it was a very sad moment when you when I learned that he died various things over the years I mean I was coaching secretary for the country for about eight years and so I had a good time then but I didn't want to get pulled away from practical coaching mm-hmm. um, which is what tended to happen a lot of times and I've been with British teams as team manager and team coach on occasions but at my age now <laughs> those days are gone and I've but I enjoy the practical coaching still. Well, that's great to hear. And uh, I'm sure that many of the coaches here and also the athletes uh, will continue to learn from you. Thanks for everything you'll continue to yeah. do for the sport and good luck in 2022. Well, congratulations to Windsor Slough, Eton and Hounslow for raising over £20,000 with more than 200 donations. One of their athletes did very well at the British University's Championships. That was Alex Haydock-Wilson in the colours of Loughborough, winning individual and 4 by 200 metre relay gold. Another of the winners in Sheffield in the pole vault was Oxford University student Jake Watson. After a thrilling personal best clearance of 5 metres 10, he told me he didn't expect to take the title. There was a high-ranked athlete on paper who came very close to passing up to a higher height of 5 metres 20, in a bid to outdo him and snatch gold. That made for an exciting final, and I spoke to Jake afterwards. How did it feel for you? You got a personal best to boot as well. Yeah, yeah, that felt pretty good, I guess. <laughs> a big achievement, is that something that you targeted because there were some athletes with bigger personal bests than yourself? Yeah, I certainly didn't expect to get the win today, but I suppose everything's lined up. Been training hard over the winter, so good sign to the future, I guess. You are a Telford club athlete. Yep. I think started as an under 11. So what, what age did you enter the sport? Yes, I, I was doing this since I was nine actually. Just doing sprints and hurdles. Um, and didn't actually start pole vaulting until I was 17. Yeah, come a long way. <laughs> Recently, I think it was last summer that you got over five meters yep. for the first time. So, you know, kind of a big mark. Internationally, the Olympics, they're going over six meters yeah, these days. Is that breaking new territory? A big boost for you? Yeah, so I moved to a new coach um, last year and it, I suppose it really did well for me. Five metres is just the beginning, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I was really, really impressed. I was, I was shocked to get over five metres last year, it was good. And tell me about how special it is to be part of this kind of environment you've got. You're competing for your university, you're part of a team and everyone kind of probably enjoys your success. Yeah, very proud to be part of the Oxford team. Yeah. Big up the team. <laughs> no, no, it's been a really good weekend, really enjoyed it. And look, the pole vault itself is one of the most complex sporting events. You've got to do so much in those few seconds and trust your ability. How would you describe it? I used to do gymnastics, as you may may be able to tell. (laughs) So yeah, it's just pretty natural for me. Body just goes through the motions. 
pretty natural. <laughs> and the moment when you'd realised you'd cleared 510, that new personal best, what was it like? I wanted higher. <laughs> no, 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 it was a really good feeling. But um, for sure, we can, we can go higher and beyond the British Champs. You'll be at the British Champs I will then. be. Yep. Brilliant. All right. Good luck. Thank you. That's Oxford University student Jake Watson, who won British University's All Vault Gold. Thanks to everyone who's been part of this episode. Next up is our International Women's Day special. Do keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, stay safe and have a good one.